0: have something else happening that's very special right now. We have our pastors, Steve and Tina. It is their 40th wedding anniversary. Can you guys come on up? Come on up. Oh, look at that. <laughs> they, I don't know about you guys, but I know personally, um, know marriage can be challenging at times so to be able to be able to say that you have been in this this marriage game for 40 years
1: is an awesome accomplishment
0: and we have a little gift for you yes. and we just appreciate you Thank because you. if you had gotten divorced none of this would be
1: happening i mean let's just be real
0: <laughs> why why this picture why this picture yeah so yes
1: what yeah what what year was that oh that was 10 yeah, years ago yeah year in. 10 it's pretty good 10. i'm just admiring years like you know for the youth we like to do photo walls and all that kind of stuff and i think we need to recreate this right here yes yes and uh, i don't Bring know I think, I think you know Whoa. we we need some new floors in the lobby and i think i think if we just keep giving and all that. We can put those in the lobby. Does anyone want the checkered floors? Hey, I say bring. I, b- so. I say
0: bring back the suit. Yeah, the
1: suit. That's is some sweet. gold. Some gold right there. But um, you know, today isn't about the floors in the lobby, uh, nor is it about our pastors. And I think that's why uh, we love our pastors, is because our pastors are about people and about you and about. Um, but even bigger than that. They love each other and leave a legacy and when you think about it um, there are people who you know can kind of talk about and and you know like they can be an influencer and and talk about how to have just a great marriage or there are just people who exemplify what it means to love and serve one another and when you do it for 40 years something's working and so I'm thankful as your son, I know many of us and, and many people over the years, uh, really probably thousands and thousands of people over the years, um, have strong marriages today, have something to look to because of what they've seen you guys do, and so I know that's thank the case care. for me, and we, we love you guys, and thank you that, that we, we get to have you as our pastors, uh, but we also get to have you as people who exemplify what it means to follow Jesus and love each other thank and you. have a strong marriage. Can we thank Pastor Steven and Tina for just being awesome? We honor you today. We love you guys. Thanks for getting married thank you. and having me. I don't know how that happened, but Love you, Dad. I'll give you a hug, too. I, I think you're supposed to still be up here, right? Yeah, I'm supposed to be up I here. I think you're supposed to be up here. I got gotcha. you. Well,
0: that's 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 awesome, you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate every one of our congregation members. But uh, I really appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, during highs and lows and... Uh, we sing, Lord, send revival, uh, because there's times where there isn't revival, right? And so there's, there's, there's those times where we feel like we're in that transition, and I want to address that uh, with you today. Would you turn and welcome somebody to church today, and we'll get started right away. Those of you online, turn to their neighbor on your couch. Wave out your window. Do something. Ah, 1976. 1976. Very good year. That was the year I met Tina Orlov. And uh, I was dating this girl at the time and uh, we, we had fun together and you know it was really my first girlfriend and then I met Tina and I thought okay what am I going to do here I'm dating this girl but I met Tina and I need to change my, my strategy here a little bit because I think that there's a connection that I want to pursue with Tina and so Uh, even though I was very young in dating this other gal at 16 years old, uh, I just knew that when I saw Tina, that that's the one for me. But also my mom told me, that's the girl you're supposed to be with, right? And so when mom speaks, sons listen, right? At least they should, because in this case, it was fantastic. You know, the interesting thing is, Throughout the years um, after Tina and I started dating four years later, I became a Christian. Then I evangelized her, and uh, she turned from her wicked ways uh, and um, and so 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 she no i 'm just kidding sort of um. And so there was there was these transitions that took place in our lives, uh, and that was one of the biggest ones, obviously, becoming Christians, because both of us led lives that were pretty wild as teenagers, and that uh, when we became Christians, things started to shift, but it, it but it changed our friendships too. So we transitioned our friendships at that time and. And then when we got married, uh, things shifted a bit as well because we started hanging out with married people and found some great value with that, right? And so we had this transition where we were, were moving into adult life, if you will. And then we had kids. And when we had kids, uh, that changed a little bit because some of our single friends and some of our married friends that didn't have kids they would come to our house when we'd have other families with kids and it was like animal house, you know? I mean, it was crazy. And, uh, and but the, but the par- parents of kids have a way of tuning out volumes of noise in order for to have a good conversation with each other, right? But then you got somebody that's single or doesn't have kids, they walk in, they don't get this, they go, they can't, they, they it, you know, they just can't do this. And so it works as good birth control. Um, so, and uh, so, but then we transitioned from having uh, kids to going into ministry and I left my job as a shipyard worker and uh, transitioned into doing full-time ministry and that was a big shift and when that happened, uh, I, we saw some tremendous things in our, our younger years. But I got over-focused on ministry and under-focused on family. And I had to transition. I remember the time Tina told me that uh, I was at a, we were at a party. I was out in the back porch talking with teenagers. And while all the adults were in the house, I was out talking to teenagers. As a youth pastor, that's what you do, right? And finally, she got frustrated. And they said, will you just come in and talk to adults for just a few minutes? I go, I want to talk to these teenagers. And, and she, and she looks at me and says, you're socially awkward. You're socially awkward. She used a different word, but I won't use it. <laughs> Just out of covering her. Um, and, but she, she, she was right. I didn't know how to relate outside of working with youth. And so I had to make some adjustments. And I had to reshape some of my priorities. And there was a transition that we had to go through. And as time went on, after being a youth pastor for 14 years full time, but actually working with youth for close to 18 years, we felt a transition coming on to start Real Life Church. And that was awkward. Just mustering up the words to speak to my pastor to say, I think I'm done here and I need to start this church, Uh, that took a lot of courage and a lot of emotion and a lot of planning and thinking and uh, praying, fasting, uh, experimenting, exploring, doing all kinds of stuff before we came to that conclusion, and so we entered into a transition of not being employees anymore but being entrepreneurs of ministry and planting a church, 1998 was the year. And over the years, these, these, uh, these transitions, have, were, they, some of them were really fun and celebratory, and others of them were actually quite depressing. There was transitions that we went through with our family that were really, really hard when the kids were in school. There was transitions that we had with the church over the years. You know, it started off when we moved from school to school. We bought property expecting to build on it. We have nine, and we still have that property, 90 acres in Black Diamond. I mean, who buys 90 acres, right? Uh, it was part of a vision that we had, but then the merge came up and we merged in another transition, which created its own awkward things because now we have two senior pastors coming together. Okay, what are we going to do? That led into another transition where I had an assistant, Nora Matthews, for 26 years. All the time I was a youth pastor and all the time starting this church and 14 years of being real life church at the time, we realized it's time to make a transition with Nora. We sat in that room right there, that little prayer room with her and her husband. And I brought a counselor with me, Rick Steer, and we sat down and we talked to them that it was time for transition. And I felt like I was giving a death notification. It was a tough transition. Tough for her, tough tough for me, and tough for our church. But it was just the right thing to do at that time. And so, over the years, we've had different transitions. And uh, there's going to be more in the future. When we say, Lord, send revival, that's a transition. That's a big transition. When, it, when revival hits, transitions take place. And so all of you know what it's like to have transitions. Some of you are in high school and you're transitioning into college years. And some of us are in college years and we're transitioning into careers. And some of us are transitioning out of careers. And some of us are retiring and some of us are refiring. And some of us are, are leaving corporate life to do something more meaningful in our lives. And some of us are are moving from working for somebody to starting our own thing. And some of us are moving from being single into being married. And some of us are, are going from being having kids to being empty nesters. And so we have all all of these transitions that go on in our lives and so handling transition is really really important the scriptures talk about transitions if you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is one of the most famous passages when it comes to transitions it talks it's, it says this for every everything there is a season a time for every activity under heaven A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build on. And the passage continues to go on to show the different transitions that there are in life. And basically saying, hey, it's okay. Life transitions. People change. Things change. If you look in Mark chapter 4, we see another description of transitions. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 26, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then heads of wheat are formed. And then finally, grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. So Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. So he's talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like a transition or a process. Life is like a process. It's one big transition. It's constantly happening. Um, And the, the problem that we have is that there are times when we don't like that process. It's uncomfortable. There's unknowns. There's tension. There's things that we feel on the inside. There's things that we suspect. There's things that we fear. There's things that, that, we, that make us mad. Uh, it's uncomfortable. But one thing's for sure, it's coming. Now, it might come in the form of a letter. It might come in the form of an event. It might come in the form of a doctor's report telling you that you have cancer and that brings on a transition or somebody saying, I want a divorce or I want to move out or I want to quit or you're fired. These transitions happen and it happens everywhere. All around this room right now, I've seen so many of you go through transitions I've seen some of you get married. I've seen some of you get separated and divorced. I've seen some of you get sick and then get healed. I've seen some of you lose spouses, even lose children. I just got a notice today of of somebody that lost their son-in-law. Transitions, these kickoff transitions. I I remember when Tina and I first got married, one of the first things that happened in our happy, peaceful new marriage is we found out that my mom had taken her life. It started a transition. And then just a few years ago, I watched my dad take his last breath. All of these are transitions. And so, as we go through life, we know that a lot of things change. But there's one thing that's interesting. In, in the book of Hebrews, in verse, uh, chapter 13 and verse 8, It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be attracted by strange new ideas, the scripture says. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules. It's interesting how Jesus was saying that the known things, the rules, are a distraction from the transition that you have to go through in life. But Jesus remains the same through all of those things. Jesus remains the same. Now, the interesting thing is life changes. It brings transition. But Jesus stays the same. Now, unfortunately, in today's life, Jesus has become, uh, instead of being who Jesus is supposed to be for us as Christians, the model of Christ. Christ likeness that we are to adapt into our life that molds and shapes and strengthens and gives us confidence and gives us faith and gives us grace and gives us forgiveness and gives us hope and gives us compassion and all these things. Jesus is all those things that we become. Jesus has become kind of like a consumer product where we go to Jesus to get what we want or to give us what we hope for or to to be the one that helps us decide what or, whether we're going to wear black or white. Right? And pretty soon Jesus becomes, is in the role of telling us what to do with our lives instead of showing us how to live while we do what we do. Okay, now f- listen to that that statement right there for a second. I think that sometimes we're looking for Jesus to give us the plan. But the Bible tells us the plans of man are many, but the Lord directs steps, okay? And as we take steps, we take steps knowing that there are principles and there's a a posture or a spirit that is Christ-centered that we adopt for ourselves. And so whether we choose to get married or stay single, whether we choose to take the job or start a business, whether we choose to make a friend and, and pursue this friendship or not, this is not God telling you to do this. I think a lot of times what we do is we put our responsibilities as human beings on God instead of allowing God to give you the right spirit in all the things that you do. The scripture tells us in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, so Christ is the strengthener. Christ is the one that always brings you back to forgiveness. Christ is the one that allows you to have the right spirit. Christ is the one that says, what you need to do right now is show a little compassion. Christ is going to always bring you back to those same Things because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the thing is, culture shifts. Things change. Transitions happen. But Jesus is always going to bring you back to keep a right spirit. Keep the right heart. Because, th- you know, what we do today might not be what we did yesterday. I remember when we first became Christians... There was a there was a kind of a teaching that went around that any music that you listen to, if it has a rock beat, it's of the devil. Okay, and you're ushering in evil spirits if it has an you know what I'm saying? Also, we taught uh, it was taught that if you wore the black Madonna bracelets, you were you were worldly. And you couldn't be a Christian if you had one of those bracelets on. Or spike hair. Spike hair was really bad because it associated with punk rock, which is of the devil. And so there were all kinds of teachings and cultural uh, things that, uh, along in those days that were really interesting that we no longer, it's, it's not a big deal. If somebody wears a black bracelet now, you see it, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger you anymore. Okay. <laughs> And when the band is up here playing drums and stuff like that, you're not triggered. You don't feel like African demons are coming over, right? (laughs) But that was some of the thinking that we had in those days. So our our culture, even in the church, shifts and changes and stuff like that. But Jesus does not shift and change. You get older and you have kids. You get married. You do all the things that you do. and, and, And the one thing that you're changing, but Jesus is still there saying, compassion. Forgiveness, love, fruits of the Spirit. He's always pulling you back to those things. But the specific directives, I think, sometimes, and even though you may feel inspired by God or you may have this thought or an idea comes to your mind and, and the Holy Spirit is bringing you to I, I get all that because th- that works inside of me as well. But what God is always going to bring you back to What the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God will always bring you back to is making sure that you have Christ-likeness at the forefront of you engaging in marriage, engaging in a relationship, engaging in a friendship, engaging in a work relationship, transitioning out of whatever thing that you're doing. You keep the right spirit. You see what I'm saying? So get the focus off of do I Do I start or do I finish or do I do this or do that? Get the focus off of that. Say, if I choose to do this or that, what spirit am I going to have? What heart am I going to have? How am I going to express love? And if you want to make it super, super simple, always ask yourself in transition, what is the best way I can love right now? How can I best honor and love right now? Because Jesus always brought everything back to love. He said, hey, there's 10 commandments. If you love God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, you'll fulfill all those 10 commandments. So he always brings it back to some form of love. So I got some thoughts about transition as you're going through it that will keep your mind uh, in a good place or your spirit in a good place. Um, and keep you from making some of the tragic mistakes that, that I've made over the years at times. And um, But these are some things that came to my mind as I was evaluating over the years of our church and uh, being married to my awesome wife. Uh, I, I wrote down some things that I think um, are, are powerful. Um, One of the things that we want to do as as Christians, as we're going through transitions, we want to remember that it's really easy to shift our feelings or how we feel about transition onto somebody else or something else. And the tendency is when you're in transition, like for, I'll give you a great example of when I wanted to leave and start Real Life Church. Um there was some, uh, it was uncomfortable because I was, I was leaving the vision of another man to go pursue something that was my own. Um, and I'd been faithful, 18 years of faithful. And, and so uh, I was leaving something that was um, really important to me. And, and I, it, I was making a shift where it's no longer central to who I am. And so in order to do that, I felt out of my comfort zone. And let me just say this: in transition, you're going to be out of your comfort zone. Never mistake transition that you go through with doing the wrong thing. Did you catch that? Don't if you're feeling uncomfortable during your transition, your kids are moving out of the house, right? You're moving into retirement. Or you're you're moving into a season of life that is, is different for you, or you're taking on a whole new project where you don't you used to get a paycheck and now you got to earn earn it by by building your business. Uh, that can be really uncomfortable. And oftentimes when we get uncomfortable, we mistake that uncomfortable if, uh, with I've done the wrong thing, something's wrong here. When you're in transition, you often feel uncomfortable. But don't automatically assume you've done the wrong thing because you're feeling out of sorts. Whenever you move out of your comfort zone, it takes a while to create the new normal. It takes a while for you to be able to feel like, okay, I got my rhythm back. I, I'm, I'm good. I feel good. Especially if you're, like, you're, you're getting married that first year. For some people, that's kind of weird because now all of a sudden you're sharing your bed. Well, part of that's great. I mean, it's part of that's really fun. But part of it is there's, there's real estate. You used to have the whole thing, right? And now, all of a sudden, like, you get half of it. And and so, at first, you're a pretzel with your spouse or whatever, and everything's good. But but then after time, you start trying to claim back your real estate, right? And, and so, some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you sleep in separate beds. But I'm uh, um, uh, just kidding, just kidding. No, I guess I'm not. Um, but so, if you're feeling uncomfortable during the transition, you have to really be careful not to hear the message, I did the wrong thing. Maybe you did, but you'll get through it. But most of the time, it's just your comfort zone speaking to you, saying, get back. Remember the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they, their comfort zone caught up to them. And they, even though they were in slavery, they would rather be comfortable knowing what they were going to eat and what they were going to drink than to be out in the wilderness not knowing from day to day what they were going to get. So what did some of them want to do? They wanted to go back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to bondage. They wanted to go backwards instead of moving forward. Transition oftentimes will also cause you to shift responsibility over. So back to when I left to start Real Life Church. Uh, in order for me to get over this comfort zone, I had to justify why I wanted to do what I was doing because I was leaving a thriving youth ministry. I was leaving a paycheck that I could count on regularly. I, I was leaving something that was familiar with me. It was the place that I'd, I had all my spiritual formation all those kinds of things in order to do that i had to deal with this uncomfortable looking back i'm looking back now i didn't know this back then but i had to i had to deal with this uncomfortableness of i'm stepping out of the nest i'm stepping out of what's secure i'm moving from one place to another transition is trans you're moving that word trans means to transport to to move from where you were to another destination and so um, as I'm transitioning I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm I don't know how to behave I don't even know how to start a church I don't even know what I'm doing I have no idea all I knew is I saw a vision but I had no idea how I was going to get there And so to deal with that uncomfortableness, um, I started to get scared. Or while I was dealing with that uncomfortableness, I started to get scared. And as I got scared, I started slowly but surely finding everything wrong with where I was at in order for me to go to where I needed to go. And then pretty soon, what was was so bad, I had to get away from it to go start this church, and it was one of my motivators to move forward, and so what I would say is, is some of us sometimes we're in transitions, and we make where we are bad in order to get us to where we need to go. So, like, let's just say that you have a business and you are in transition, and and things aren't the numbers aren't aren't adding up, and it's just not making sense, right? And so you got to make some big, serious transition. Uh, maybe you have to cut back a store, maybe you have to add a, an employee, or you have to do some different things. And sometimes what will happen is, is what we'll do in order to make that big jump or in order to make that big investment we got to find something wrong in order to make that move to go forward and what i would say is is resist the temptation of trying to shift what you're feeling onto something bad in order to pursue something good just get your eye on the vision of where you're going the children of israel the ones that crossed over into the promised land were the ones that kept the vision of the promised land, not the vision of what they left behind. Are you catching that? Okay? Now, some of us we're in emptiness uh, season, uh, or we're about to go into that. If you have teenagers, there's going to be a day when you have the empty nest syndrome. And so that next thing that I learned in transition is, lean into your transition instead of resisting it. And sometimes what we try to do is we try to hang on to what was when God is, is, is helping us transition into what is going to be. And so what some, uh, some of these things that happen is, is that we get to this place where now all of a sudden, now we're resisting change or transition and we're interfering with the process. We need to lean into it. Um, one day I was talking to the North of 60 ladies, um, and I was talking about how my mother-in-law and my dad um, did two different things for us, okay? With my mother-in-law, she when she decided to transition into being full-time down in Arizona, she decided that it was time to le- get rid of all of our junk. And um, all of the stuff that she no longer needed. And so one day she called Tina up and she says, I'm, I'm going to stay in Arizona. I'm going to move down to Arizona and stay in Arizona. And you and your sister can take care of everything <laughs> at the house. Which means we're getting all the stuff. So in my garage today, I have 250 satirons. irons. I have old sewing machines. Uh, I have all kinds of treasures, actually cool treasures, some that are really worth some, some money. But they're worth enough money that you can't get rid of them. And they're not worth enough money to spend the time trying to sell it. And so now we have all this stuff. So we can't, we can't throw it away, and we can't sell it. And so we just got to store it. Are you catching, catching what I'm saying? And so this is what, instead of leaning uh, ahead of time into the transition that was ahead of her, she postponed it and postponed it. She knew she had to get rid of this stuff. She knew she had to sell this stuff. She knew she had to give it away. She knew she had to get, uh, but she didn't. She held on to it and kept held on. So she missed that transition window, and we ended up with that transition window. It's in our house now. Now, my dad was a little bit different. So he moves into a season of transition where he moves into retirement facility, and and he was always one step ahead he, of all of us. Uh, I remember when I went into the hospital, and I he had fallen three times in his home where he lived with his wife, uh, and he says to um, he says to me as I'm in the hospital, and he's the doctor told him he can't go home. You're either going to have to go to a senior center or a senior assisted living, or you're going to need to have full-time care at home. And so and I says, Dad, what do you think? He says, well, I want to go to Merrill Gardens. I said, what? And he says, yeah, I want to go to Merrill Gardens. That's where my grandma was or had been um, until she passed and I said, just like that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so he says to his wife, I'm going to go to Merrill Gardens. She said, she goes, that's, that's where old people go. And he goes, have you looked at yourself lately? <laughs> so my dad was prepared for the transition. She wasn't. He had thought about it. And some of us, we're not prepared for transitions and we resist transition when we know that it's time to move forward with something. We know it's time to move out of this, that job or we know it's time to move out of that friendship that is pulling us down constantly. And so we need to lean into it. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, what, what do you think about, I, was, I visited him at the nursing home and, uh, or the assisted living um, I said, Dad, what do you think about the driving and all that kind of stuff? He says, I'm done. I said, What? And he says, I'm done. I don't need to drive. I don't need to go anywhere. Probably not very safe that I drive anyway. And he says, Hand me the keys. And, and I, so I, I throw them over to him. And, he, and then he throws them back to me. He says, Give them to Cameron. Let him have the truck. He needs a car. So he gave up driving. So here he is transitioning. Leaning into the next season of life without me having to decide it for him. Some of us in transitions, you wait until you get the notice before you transition. And if we're being spirit led, we can sense, we become aware that something needs to change. We know a transition's in the air, but we wait until somebody else makes the decision for us. We wait until circumstances make the decision for us. And instead of recognizing transition is here, now I need to figure out how to step into it. Don't resist it. When transition comes, don't resist. Some of us are here today, and we're looking at some big changes. And the transition that's ahead of us, we won't lean into it, Because we don't know how to get it done. So reflecting back when we started Real Life Church, I had no idea how I was going to get this done. But one thing I did know, I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to do it. And it wasn't until I committed to what I knew I needed to do that everything fell into place. Up until that time, it was just talk. Up until that time, nobody showed up. But the minute I committed, the minute I sat down with my pastor and I told him, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I knew I was committed then because I just lost my job. (laughs) Seriously. I knew I'd lost my job. But then I was committed. And guess what? People started knocking on my door that wanted to help us do it, that knew how to do things like start a church. And so some of you right now, you don't know how to go into this season where you're having to do medical treatments. You don't know how you're going to go into this season, how you're going to um, go into this season where you are learning how to start a business or learning how to be married, learning how to have kids, learning how to be an empty nester, you're not ready for it. You don't know what you're going to do. But man, once you commit to it, I'm telling you, things will fall into place. But while you're in transition, keep Jesus as your chief cornerstone. Keep coming back to Jesus. Remember a few weeks ago when we had the box up here and we we it represented the chief cornerstone and we had the level and, uh, and the tape measure, and we were measuring off of it. When you take your measurements off of the chief cornerstone, everything that you build will, will stand upright. It'll stand strong, and you can build off of that. When Jesus becomes the source of all things character, when Jesus becomes the source of all things um, right and true, Then all of a sudden you take your measurements off of that and you go into transition with a great spirit. You're not pointing the finger at people. You're not afraid because all of a sudden Jesus begins to do something on the inside of you. And as you take your measurements off of that and allow the fruit of going back to Jesus. Remember, he never changes. He will never leave you or forsake you he's the same yesterday today and forever and as you take your cues from him not as to whether or not you should start it or not but how your spirit is going to be while you're in it i tell you right now transition will be beautiful and so what the last thing i want to say is next week we're going to start a series called babies and bathwater <laughs> And the reason we're calling it babies and bathwater is because sometimes people have a tendency to throw babies out with the bathwater. And it's an analogy that I'll explain next week. It's kind of a, something that comes from the Depression era when they used to keep the same bathwater for all the kids. By the time that third, fourth, fifth kid goes through, it's pretty dark. It's so dark that you can lose the baby. And they're... There is certain, certain transitions in life that create a darkness that will cause you to want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And maybe you just can't see the value in the relationship anymore. Maybe you can't see the value in the marriage anymore. Maybe you can't see the value in the church anymore. And Sometimes what happens is is that the dark side covers up the beauty of life and sometimes in life our transition can create such a muddy water murky water that sometimes we can't see what's hidden in that water is the seed of what's next I want to pray for you right now if you're here today and you're going through a transition you're not really sure how to navigate it I want to pray that your spirit would be aligned with the cornerstone. Jesus, the one that takes away the fear, the one that causes you not to judge, the one that causes you to love unconditionally, the one that causes you to forgive, the one that causes you to show compassion, the one that causes you to rise up and go forth knowing that the greater one lives within you. If you're in transition right now, you just slip your hand up around this room right here? Those of you that are at home, online, if that's you, just bow your heads right now and just receive this prayer. And Father, I see all these hands all around this room. I see career transitions. I see all kinds of relationship transitions. I see all kinds of business transitions. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would be with these people during the transition. I pray that their spirit would be shaped by you. I pray that the love of God, which is shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit, would rise up like never before. I pray, God, that you would begin to speak in such a way that they could hear you. Uh, Oh, God, I pray right now that you would take away confusion. I pray that you would take away all sorts of fear and anxiety. I pray right now that you would begin to restore those who have lost hope. I pray that you'd restore hope to them. I pray, Lord, that you would restore confidence, knowing that during this transition, you will never leave them or forsake them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand up to your feet?